1: We're out of time. Banfield starts now.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Thursday. You know what I call it? Friday Eve. And normally, I'm excited about Friday Eve because of the normal Friday, right? It's Friday. Uh, tonight, though, I'm excited about it being Friday Eve because tomorrow there's some congressional hearings. <laughs> You don't normally hear me say that on a crime and justice program, right? Like, true crime, congressional hearings, what? But this show's about mystery, too. And tomorrow, there's this super top-secret congressional hearing about UAPs, UFOs, because of that whole, well, we're going to just assume, that whole jellyfish business that we've been showing you all week. Why is Congress convening with the Inspector General of Intelligence under a skiff? A skiff, which is a super secret room that can't even be penetrated by cell signal or anything else. I love the mystery around this. I love the mystery around the video. I love the fact that our government is going to have a super secret, top, top secret meeting tomorrow about the UAPs and UFO issue. They're going to talk about this. They're going to give us the answers. I'm going to go into all of that in a moment. And I've got a witness to that. A guy who was actually there when that happened in Iraq at the base. You're going to hear from him tonight because our Brian Enten, uh scored that great interview. Also, if you thought you'd heard the worst of the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, how about this? Um, a birthday present that was sent to Jeffrey Epstein. Three little 12-year-old girls wrapped up in a bow straight from France on his doorstep. Have at her and her and her and then just ship them back money can buy everything he said and laughed and laughed about how easy it was all of this in allegations in thousands and thousands of pages of documents that have been released and details that have resurfaced about this most ugly moment where that guy and his boy pal a modeling agency exec Figured that'd be a good birthday present for Jeffrey Epstein. I've got the details for you. It's like Kitty Caligula. And I'm telling you, even if you're like over a certain age and you think like the Hugh Hef days were okay, this is well beyond that. Okay, and then also, so there's this model on Instagram and on OnlyFans and no longer is she a model. She's an inmate. She went from that to something very, very different after she completely, like, fell apart in a stabbing death of her boyfriend. She says it was such an abusive relationship. She had to do it. It was self-defense. The problem is the videos. The videos that came out shortly after that moment that led to that picture, that mugshot, and then the video that we just got. Here's a quick snippet. You know, like, I
3: was... Sober for two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and now why am I not sober, because I'm
2: cute. Don't. Her two million followers did not see that, but her jury is sure going to. The family of that young man who was on the receiving end of that abuse and who died at the receiving end of a knife in her hand. Uh, They're lawyers with me tonight in an exclusive interview to talk about the latest videos that have dropped and what it says about the case. Okay, all of that in a moment, but not all mysteries have a crime and a victim. And some take more than police and forensics to crack. And this week we have been mesmerized by a mystery that could have global or even cosmic implications. Um, for lack of a better word, they call it the jellyfish. Feast your eyes. It was spotted over a joint operations base in Iraq a few years ago. And tonight we've uncovered a witness. It was really hard to see that thing with your naked eye, right? So he didn't see it with the naked eye. Even heat-seeking couldn't see that with the naked eye. But he claims to have seen the video when it was actually happening, when he was stationed in Iraq in 2018. That is six years before these pictures actually went public. And if you don't like the name jellyfish, our witness says back then they nicknamed it something else, the spaghetti monster. Not to be confused with some other spaghetti mysteries like the satirical god of the so-called Pastafarians uh, or the blobby sea creature first spotted by oil workers off the coast of Angola. This is a different spaghetti monster. This witness says he saw the entirety of the video, knows how it was captured. Video was uncovered by a UFO journalist named Jeremy Corbell, who says the jellyfish or the spaghetti monster, whatever you want to call it, has been officially designated a UAP, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, by the Pentagon. So before you roll your eyes and say, oh, there she goes again with the whole, yeah, the Pentagon's onto it. Jeremy Corbell says the video was kept under wraps on purpose, and so far the Pentagon has said nothing, kiss about this. But, as I mentioned, tomorrow the government is talking to each other. The House Oversight Committee is going to get classified briefings, on UAPs, And of course, since it's classified, we may never know whether the jellyfish or the spaghetti monster is even discussed at all. But I'm guessing why not? Here's what committee member Tim Burchett told News Nation.
4: I just want transparency when you try to hide something. And generally, the, the hiding of something is worse than the than the original uh, crime or intent of what you're trying to do and um and clearly in this this issue they're hiding something and i think we can handle it you know they i hear people talk about how i've had those conversations with <clears throat> with officials telling me you know congressman i don't think people are going to be able to be, need to will be able to handle all this and i it's like well it's not your job to decide
0: that
2: thank you congressman And thank you, News Nations national correspondent Brian Enton, for joining me now on all of this. Brian, the big question I have is who is this military witness? What's he all about? How'd you track him down? Tell me everything.
5: Yeah, so you know, I'm big on Twitter. We actually found him on Twitter. We were able to verify that he is who he says he is. His name is Michael Sinkoski, and I wrote this down because his position was kind of complicated. It was an intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, tactical controller. Uh, He's a Marine, he was in Iraq got there in early 2018, and he says one of the first things that happened when he went into the command center is they said, hey, we got to show you a video of something uh, that happened here over the base at the end of 2017, and they immediately showed him, he says, that 17-minute uh, video, and he explains exactly how he saw it. Take a listen.
1: It was just something that they captured on the cameras that they couldn't explain. We had a number of theories that we were never able to debunk and it just kind of became kind of like the ghost story of, of the base that, you know, we'd show the video to the new guys and whoever else was just walking through the, the COC just kind of like a cool, like, Hey, look at this, you know, random video, but there was no, we didn't feel like threatened by it ever coming back. We were never able to like replicate it. It, it was just that one video from that one sensor. And that was it.
5: So it wasn't the kind of thing where they were saying, like, don't talk about this or don't share the video. Like it was it was OK to talk about.
1: Right. Yeah. OK. I was telling people when I got back home after my deployment, I was telling the story, but I never had the video to back it up because it was on our classified servers. Um, I never expected to ever see it again. But now that it's leaked, I think it's kind of cool. And everyone's talking about it because that that's the video, even though it's only a two minute clip i think the full video is about 17 minutes
5: did you see the full 17 minutes yes and so what else is there in the video that we haven't seen
1: not a whole lot all i can say about that is towards the end it 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 seemingly just continued off into the distance and it got smaller and smaller whether that's because uh the the sensor was zooming out or it was moving off into the distance but it got seemingly far enough away to where they couldn't see it anymore. Whether it dropped into the water or it just continued over the lake, because there's a lake next door of the base that we were at. Uh, but at no point in the at, towards the end of the video did it, you, where you could see it drop into the water and then shoot off into the sky. Like there have been some claims that never happened. Oh boy. So
5: he says actually okay. that he wow. didn't see a video. Yeah, he didn't see a video where it went into the water. Um, But he says perhaps there's another video in the full video he saw though it just sort of trailed off into the distance.
2: Okay, so I thank you because there's been a lot of confusion as to whether that jellyfish that went over the base then suddenly plunged into water and then 17 minutes later came out. Some people are saying that's a whole separate video of a whole separate incident. So that's a little bit more clarity there. I was fascinated to hear him call it the ghost story of the base, um, that, that it never came back, that they caught it on a sensor and that it was on these classified servers. Did you get the impression that this was more, that they thought this was more foreign intelligence and not UFO, or, or how did they, what did they think of it?
5: He really doesn't know. I mean, he says, I don't know what it was. He doesn't know if it's, if it's from, from, thing, from another country or if it's an alien. He says they don't know, but, but he called it a ghost story. He said a lot of the Marines knew about this video and had seen this video, which is uh, interesting. And he says it was actually captured on this thing called an aerostat. It's like a big blimp that they fly for surveillance over the base. Uh, he explained that too, Ashley. Take a listen.
1: I'm looking at every, you know, fact of information that, that I have, and I, I just can't fully explain it.
5: What kind of camera captured it? Like, was it from a plane or from a drone?
1: It was from an aerostat. Um, it was from our PTIDS, which stands for Persistent Threat Detection System. It's a big, giant balloon that is tethered to the base, and it just kind of floats. It has a big camera on it. And it just kind of scans the perimeter of the base to make sure that there's no threats incoming in, into the perimeter. Um, I don't know how they found it uh, originally. I think they just saw movement on, on, on the sensor and they just started following it. And that that's what came up. As far as I know, there was no other sensors that could perceive it. Um, no night vision. Nobody was able to see it with the naked eye. There are no other um, cameras or anything that picked it up. The only thing that was able to perceive it was the uh, was the thermal sensor on them on the aerostat.
5: Did anyone that you know of or hear about see it with their own eyes or was it just on the camera? Just on the camera. So, Ashley, uh, he says that there was no one on the ground that was able to see it, that it was just that one camera uh, and that it was very, very mysterious and just went unexplained. But they did not think of it as a threat, per se.
2: But what did they think? Did they think this? Well, I know that he wasn't sure. He's calling it the ghost story. But does he have any intelligence on what the rest of the military thought? Because clearly military intelligence wouldn't have just brushed it off as a ghost story.
5: No. He, yeah, exactly. And surely there were higher-ups that, that were investigating. He's not aware of it. He says in the control center where he was, you weren't allowed to bring your phone in. It was a secret location. It's where they monitored the drones and monitored the cameras. So he wasn't able to, no one was able to, like, get a picture of it with their phone. It was all really clamped down. It was people who worked in that center that were able to see the video. Um, but he, he did elaborate a little bit on what he thought maybe it was. Uh, listen, listen to a little bit of that. Was the object in the video ever perceived as a threat?
1: Not entirely. It was It was just an unknown. Um, as far as I know, when, when they started seeing it on the camera, they were watching it to make sure that it wasn't a threat. And I believe some of the Marines were tasked to try to find it on night vision, and, and they were looking for it with their other sensors and everything else that we had. Um, and they couldn't find it. So th- they kept an eye out, it, but it, it wasn't like we were scrambling to our defensive positions or anything like that. It was just a, a big unknown.
5: Did you think when you watched it for the first time that like, it could be,
1: you know, non-human? It crossed my mind because the theories that we had, like I said, didn't, didn't fully explain it. And so naturally I think our human mind or our curiosity kind of goes there and it's like, you know, is that, is this something extraterrestrial or extra dimensional or paranormal or, or whatever, you know, you want to call it. So, I mean, yeah, the thought crossed my mind, but I'm still looking for logical explanations.
5: Do you think it should have been taken more seriously from like a security perspective?
1: I don't think we could have taken it more seriously because it was such just a weird incident um, something like that all you can really do is keep an eye on it and, and try to uh, get eyes on it from other sensors and, and other perspectives and, and we just couldn't and it didn't seem to be posturing to threaten us at all so it, it wasn't like we needed to take immediate action against it so yeah I think it was handled in the best way possible like I said it kind of just ended up being kind of like the ghost story of the base it was interesting actually to hear
5: him keep calling it the ghost story and then i, I asked him and you mentioned it, i said like the jellyfish you know were you guys calling it the jellyfish? and he said no we never even thought of calling it the jellyfish from the beginning they called it uh the spaghetti monster which sounds kind of funny but you know you got these marines in the middle of Iraq. that this is the name they came up for it and uh you know never really knew what they were dealing with there
2: I'm astounded they didn't try to shoot it down. I'm astounded, like you asked him about the security concern. Why wasn't there a muster? Like, why didn't, why didn't they scramble into that defensive position? Um, you know, if, especially if it might have been foreign intelligence. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. Why is he speaking out now, Brian?
5: Well, he's speaking out because he says he's always known that he saw this video. Obviously, he's talked to his friends about it, and he was totally shocked when he saw the video on TV a couple of days ago. He could not believe, he said it was classified. He cannot believe that this got out. And he just wanted to acknowledge, like, he's like, look, I've been telling this story for years. Everyone kind of looked at me a little like I was a little crazy. And he's like, he wanted to acknowledge this is the video that I've been talking about.
2: I wonder if there are others uh, who come forward, too, who were part of the uh, the ghost story on the base, so to speak. Brian, way to go. Uh, Great reporting. Amazing that you found him. And thanks so much for for bringing that to us. Appreciate it.
5: Thanks, Ash. That's
2: why Brian Enton is like the best in the business. All right, okay, so, you know, the jellyfish and the spaghetti monster, they are not the only possible alien sightings that were on our radar this week. Okay, slight tongue in cheek here, but there is also this new video of what's described as two giant creatures on top of a mountain in Brazil. So some people say this is more proof that aliens are walking among us, while other people say it's just a couple of dudes walking down a hill. But that's a long way away, and by estimations, that's like 10 feet. We're gonna play this whole thing for you, give you more details on what they did a little further down the mountain, let you decide for yourself. But first, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's disturbing birthday present, I might add depraved and despicable, three 12-year-old girls allegedly tied up with a bow and shipped to Epstein's doorstep like an Amazon package from France. He signed for them, he used them, and he returned them the next day. And then allegedly bragged all about it. So why did it take so long for authorities to catch on to this business? And where are these little girls now? What's next?
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: But according to her, Epstein liked his girls even younger than that. In a sworn deposition, Virginia Jufre says Epstein once took delivery of three 12-year-old girls. They were triplets. She says they were shipped overseas from Paris as a, quote, birthday present for Epstein. And before you think, oh, well, you know, accusers, uh, this claim isn't even from her own lawsuit which generated all the filings and the allegations that, like, oozed out of court this week. No, this is from a lawsuit filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami back in 2015. That's when the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami was trying to overturn an inexplicable deal that Epstein got from the state attorney of Florida in 2008. Remember that one? He just served 13 months, mostly weekend jail for all that ugliness that turned out to just be soliciting prostitution from a minor. So Virginia Giuffre, in the state's case, says that the 12-year-olds were supplied by Epstein's associate Jean-Luc Brunel, a famous French modeling scout who once appeared on the Australian version of the reality show Top Model. He was also charged with raping young girls and he also killed himself in prison, so there's that. But before he did that to himself, um, One of Epstein's victims says that she was a witness to the sickening birthday present that he sent Epstein. She says she met the three little girls when they were delivered to Epstein at his New York home. And she says he molested them and then shipped them back to France the next day. Here's her exact quote. Let me read it for you. Epstein was so excited about the entire event, he replayed over and over again the next course of weeks how cute they were and how you could tell they were really young. He went on to tell me how Brunel, that's the guy who gave him the present, how Brunel bought them in Paris from their parents, offering him the usual sums of money, visas, and modeling career prospects. Laughing the whole way through, Jeffrey thought it was absolutely brilliant how easily money seduced all walks of life. Nothing or no one that couldn't be bought. So those of us um, over 50 uh, remember a time when everyone just accepted that rich and powerful men would adorn themselves with pretty young women, pretty young things. They were like status symbols, you know, like Ferraris and private jets. And admirers would just wink and joke, you sure she's 18, you naughty little devil? But even in those days, an adult man having sex with a 12-year-old, let alone three 12-year-olds, would be unthinkable. There would be no wink There would be no nod, and someone might actually call the police and report that. This alleged incident is also a reminder that Epstein's obsession with young girls was an open secret. His private plane was nicknamed the Lolita Express, and that refers to the Russian novel about a literary professor who was sexually obsessed with his 12-year-old stepdaughter. You may also remember the Amy Fisher case, Joey Badafoucault. Fisher was called the Long Island Lolita because she was young. In a 2010 deposition, Epstein himself was questioned about the 12-year-olds, that he was supposedly gifted for his birthday. And here's how that went.
1: Is it true, sir, that a friend of yours sent you three 12-year-old females for you to sexually abuse on one of your birthdays? Form argumentative, harassing, and irrelevant to this me, lawsuit. But you're you saying it's part of the lawsuit? Yeah, I, I'll read it directly. On one of defendant Epstein's birthdays, a friend of defendant Epstein sent him three 12 year old girls from France who spoke no English for defendant to sexually exploit and abuse. After doing so, they were sent back to France the next day. Okay. Isn't that true? Once again, I'm going to move to strike. Irrelevant, argumentative, harassing.
4: I would like to answer that question. I really would. However, today, my attorneys have told me I have to assert my Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment, and Fourteenth Amendment rights under the U.S. Constitution.
2: Smug POS. I want to bring in uh, Josh Schiffer. He's an attorney whose firm represents some of the Epstein victims. I can see you shaking your head. The whole thing made me vomit in my mouth, I'm not going to lie. Did these 12-year-old girls ever surface anywhere? Was anyone ever ever able to find them? Did anyone even look?
4: There have been no public namings. However, there was a French investigation. And that's really important (laughs) when we look at the different ways that law enforcement has approached this Epstein universe because it's not just an Epstein universe. This international sex trafficking, this high and mighty universe of the ultra-wealthy getting away with whatever they want as long as they grease up the machine, that's always been there. It stays around. It's still happening now in my belief and many others. Uh, It may have gotten a little bit more quiet and people have gotten a little bit smarter because think about what this entailed back when these allegations first surfaced. This wasn't even hidden. These three 12 year olds were apparently well-known, discussed, this was talked about in the lawsuits, law enforcement knew all about.
2: So Epstein and Brunel both dead, um, dead in their prison cells. Does the criminal infrastructure that provided, if that happened, that that provided that 12-year-old triplet uh, package to Epstein, does that criminal infrastructure of all of it die with them?
4: You know, the individual operators from that time period may have changed, but one thing that I can guarantee is that sex sells. Uh, And as long as it does, and as long as people have money and will make bad decisions, unfortunately, this is one of those criminal areas that we can't fully and completely extinguish because people are always willing to break the law when they're desperate. And we see sexual about- exploitation crimes internationally all the time.
2: But I keep thinking about all the, the public documents, the, the government documents, like visas and flight records and all of those things. And I wonder if there's any potential for criminal activity or criminal repercussions. Now, statutes of limitations are probably, you know, played out, but maybe civil filings. There Do you are see some- any of that ahead?
4: Well, there are some criminal statutes limitations that that never expire and sometimes we actually get them with some of the aggravated sex charges and there could be individual state statute limitations civilly without some of the permissive laws such as the New York Victims Rights Law that spurred a lot of these reach back and claw back cases without those Statute of limitations in most of this is closed. And remember, the young women themselves have never actually popped up. And I don't know whether they were taken care of through some sort of legal process that was confidential or whether they were just left high and dry because of the opaqueness of the French criminal justice system.
2: And they would now be in their early 30s. And, you know, many say in Europe, it's just not as aggressive. It's not as aggressive to to, to seek justice for this kind of thing as it is here. Hey, as always, Josh Schiffer, thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank
4: you looking forward to the next time this story just doesn't stop. And we're learning new stuff every day.
2: Doesn't it's remarkable. And you're like on top of it. So I'm very thankful coming up after the break. Do you remember that? OnlyFans star with the millions of followers who stabbed her boyfriend to death in their Miami condo and then claimed it was self-defense. I mean, it's hard to forget these pictures, right? The thing is, is these pictures are unforgettable too. Uh, Video that showed her attacking him in an elevator just weeks earlier. And guess what? There is more video tonight and it's even more explosive than this. And the dead man's family says it's proof of that girlfriend's guilt. Their attorney joins me exclusively next.
0: Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is May traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com podcast.
4: Sleep of your life.
0: Thanks for the tip about Peptiva. I'm eating like a kid again and getting the best sleep of my life. And thanks to Peptiva, chips and salsa are back on the menu.
4: (laughs) Peptiva is flying off the shelves at Walmart, but you can only get your complimentary sample by texting STABLE to 231231. Text now and we'll include a box of Peptiva digestive enzymes to help your body digest meals and avoid occasional gas and discomfort. Absolutely free.
2: It was called the OnlyFans murder almost two years ago, a model with two million followers who basically just self-destructed after stabbing her boyfriend dead in the condo they shared in Miami. Uh, Courtney Clenny and Christian Amboselli were in a toxic relationship, and she says she killed him in self-defense. The problem with that claim is that much of the evidence that's emerged since that murder has shown that she was a hell of a lot more toxic than he was. And tonight, yet another bombshell. If you recognize her as Courtney Taylor, uh, understandable, because that is what she called herself on social media. But whatever you call her, Courtney is now seen on video abusing that boyfriend in February 2022, just two months before Christian was murdered. It was shot by an unknown third party while the pair was in Aspen, Colorado, shooting content for OnlyFans. And in this clip, you can see her hitting Christian over and over again, accusing him of flirting with other girls and derailing her sobriety. You
3: know, like I was sober for two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And now, why am I not sober? Because I. Let go of me. Okay. Come on, boy. Let go of me. Mm. Actually, don't be with you. Actually, I'm done. Okay. Uh, can you send him home? Yeah. I done. Okay, fine. Done.
2: Done. Done. Because
3: you're like, you're costing me money. I'm costing I didn't you do it. I got out of this fucking house because of you. You let my mom say to mine. No, because you are flirting. <laughs> like
1: three <laughs> <Korean laughs> girls and <laughs> two. Get
3: the <laughs> out of here. This isn't even a house. Yeah. Cool. Someone else is like, you're get the
4: out of here. I Good thing, get out. Get out. You never loved
2: Just a few weeks after that video on April 3rd, 2022, Courtney called 911 after plunging a serrated knife into Christian's chest. She was charged with second-degree murder, to which she pleaded not guilty. But then, unfortunately for her, uh, this video surfaced from a condo elevator showing Courtney on the war path yet again. Christian's family says all of this shows that Courtney was the abuser all along and that Christian deserves justice. Their attorney, Kimberly Wald, joins me now for her first national interview. Kimberly, thank you so much for, for being on. I really appreciate this. Are there more videos that are going to surface that are similar to this in this um, upcoming trial?
3: You know, it's possible. It's, you know, this is one of those cases that as the state continues their investigation, more videos keep unfolding. We know Courtney was an influencer. And unfortunately, we know that there probably are more videos that show this continued history of violence in this relationship.
2: So important to you know, remember here, you represent the family of the murder victim Christian Ambuseli. They must be just heart sick when they see these videos. Like what would, How did they see them for the first time? Were you there? Did you present them to them to, so that they could you know, t- take it in in a sensitive manner?
3: Of course, you know, when the state attorney uh, released these videos, we always notify our clients ahead of time because, um, you know, we want to make sure that they're okay. You know, these type of cases, this is a fresh wound for them every time one of these videos are released. With the holidays just around the corner now, it's, I mean, it's unthinkable that The pain that they have to go through over and over again, reliving this nightmare when these things come out, it's just it's absolutely heart wrenching and and they're doing the very best job that they can.
2: I mean, it's just like you can see some of the pictures on the night of the incident itself. She is an absolute wreck and clearly sobriety sounded like it was an an issue for her. What's the status here? Are we getting closer to an actual trial date? Uh, I know that that's been sort of a pitched process, it often is. Where do we stand with this, this poor family just waiting to, to, to find some sense of justice for their son?
3: Yeah, the family is is going to wait as long as it takes. They are absolutely committed to this, and we will get justice for Christian. Um, you know, we hope that the criminal case will come to an end sometime this year and that there will be a trial in the criminal case.
2: I can't imagine. I'm a mom of two boys, and if that was my son, and I saw him in those videos being beaten like this regularly, it just looked like it was sort of a, a pattern that had emerged before the ultimate... Um, you know, moment of, of being assailed. How are they doing?
3: You know, this is extremely difficult. And and especially for the family that this is bringing awareness to domestic violence and particularly to domestic violence when it's directed towards a man, that men can be victims of domestic violence, that it is not just, uh, we're not, we don't live in a society where it's only women. And, you know, it's really important for the family to bring awareness because if, if they can help anyone out there, anyone out there that's struggling, that's in a similar situation, in a toxic relationship, if this can teach them a lesson and they can pick up the phone and know that there's help, that's what the family wants to achieve from this and, and really that's their goal throughout this entire process.
2: I mean, men men can be beaten and men can be raped, and domestic abuse can go both ways. Uh, Kimberly Weld, I appreciate you doing this exclusive interview with us, thank you. We'll continue to keep in touch with you to uh, see how this process progresses, appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, uh, this was not supposed to happen in a wealthy Connecticut town. A mom of five little kids vanished nearly five years ago after taking them to school. Jennifer Dulos has never been found. But today, we finally saw the bloody clues from her garage where police believe her estranged husband killed her. He never stood trial because he took his own life. But his girlfriend was hauled into court today. Coming up next, that body cam video of the bloodstains that could send that girlfriend to prison for life.
1: mills foundation.org slash dave
2: when a mom of five little kids goes missing alarm bells go off if she goes missing after dropping the kids off at school then an all points bulletin goes out but if she is in the middle of a volcanic divorce and that abusive husband has a new girlfriend it's a five alarm fire and that was the story of jennifer Dulos from the wealthy connecticut town of new canaan In May of 2019, almost five years ago, Jennifer drove her black Chevy Suburban back into her garage after the school drop-off, and she was never seen again. The police came by to look around her home. There was no sign of her. There was a purse. There were keys. No Jennifer. They did, however, find some ominous bloodstains in the garage, and they never shared those body cam tapes until today. Before I show them to you a little more background, because this case got crazy crazy. Jennifer Dulos's husband, Fotis Doulos, is a dead ringer for George Clooney. He was arrested and he was charged with her murder, but we didn't get to see him in court because he killed himself before trial, which left behind both tragedy and mystery. Five little kids had no parents left. That's the tragedy. But the mystery, Fotis' girlfriend, Michelle Was arrested and charged as his accomplice. So was his lawyer. And now, nearly five years since Jennifer vanished, that girlfriend walked into court today. And that body cam of the officers looking through the house of the victim, well, that was finally released to the public. Take a look. It breaks my heart to see that because I suspect at that moment that they're looking for her in her house. She's being cut to pieces somewhere else, only to be disposed of. That's my supposition. They never found Jennifer, but they spotted Fotis and his girlfriend, Michelle, doing something very curious late at night. They were driving down a long stretch of road in Hartford, Connecticut together. Hours after Jennifer disappeared and they were throwing out more than 30 garbage bags in multiple garbage cans all the way down the street for miles. So when police went after the garbage in those cans, um, they actually found clothes belonging to Jennifer Dulos and plastic zip ties with her DNA on them. But they couldn't find everything and they couldn't find her. So now that girlfriend is accused of helping him dump evidence of the murder and of helping him clean up the truck that they were in to do it. Maybe more damning, they say she also helped him create an alibi script for the morning of the murder. Jennifer Dulos was officially declared dead by a Connecticut judge just a couple months ago, this past October. The court said that literally there was so much blood evidence, it meant whatever happened to Jennifer, it was not survivable. And again, some of that blood evidence was in her own garage, where it is believed she was attacked and murdered by that husband, Fotis, after dropping off their little kids at school. Here are the police in the garage, and you're gonna hear them discuss a blood-like substance and how strange it was that they found it while investigating a missing person.
4: Grab my camera from the car. Yeah, yeah, And then another one we heard. could be a deer.
1: It was wiped at some point, but dried first. Dry edges, what's Yeah, well he just called in, he had a lot of scoffing.
4: Huh? There's
1: some back here, too. Is there? Yeah, down here, too. Strange take pictures of them. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's of the the
1: yeah. ...on the lower portion of the car. And it looks like it's been buffed or scraped or scratched all down through the driver's seat. Well, it's just strange in connection with the fact that we've got a missing person, or potential innocent persons, you know? And, uh, yeah, there's scrapes on this side too, but there's no blood near them, so whatever they hit went down this side of the vehicle. Yeah. Usually, if you hit a deer and it's on your car, you take it to the car wash and get it cleaned. Especially a Range Rover.
0: Scrapes
4: there.
1: Let's see if there's any damage.
4: I mean, this is grandma's house. You never know. Scrapes but... there.
2: It's only day one in the trial of that girlfriend. The prosecutors say we're going to see video of the late night garbage run and evidence of the so-called alibi script because this trial is expected to last six weeks and oh yeah, we're going to cover it. Still to come, what is 10 feet tall, has two legs and climbs mountains. The Brazilian aliens, of course. With all the talk of the jellyfish UFO at the U.S. military base, now comes video of giant space-like men doing very non-human-like things. But are they aliens? Are they wild animals? Or is it all a hoax? We're going to show you the full video next and let you decide for yourself. NewsNation's Nation's Ashley Banfield, asking the questions true crime junkies want to know. How'd the killer get in? How'd the killer drive away? Brian's going to actually show you the route. With the insider details you'll only find on News Nation. Pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together in this mystifying case. Banfield, weeknights at 10, 9 Central, only on America's fastest growing cable news network, News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com or stream News Nation on Apple CarPlay and Alexa.
1: When I grew up, I want to be a director because they get to talk to everybody about everything. They get to make cool movies and dance music videos. If your child is sick over and over again, it could be PI, a defect of the immune system that affects millions. Early testing can give children a chance to dream.
5: And when I'm a director, I get to say,
2: lights, camera, action.
1: For more information, visit the Jeffrey Modell Foundation at info4pi.org.
2: That's a wrap. A message from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. I
3: came to Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous overweight and depressed. I was dieting, binging, stealing food, and lying about it for years.
2: For help, call 781-932-6300 or visit foodaddicts.org. I knew
3: I had a weight problem. I didn't know I was addicted to food. The
2: FA program gave me a healthy body. I'm free from obsessing about my weight or food. Call FA 781-932-6300 or visit us on our website at foodaddicts.org.
0: Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Ironman.
2: Thanks for listening to News Nation on the go. I'm Ashley Banfield. We're here for you 24/7 on the News Nation app or on your Alexa. Just say, "Play News Nation."
4: I see you finally
2: got a new helmet. I did.
3: Bought it cheap online. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here.
2: I'm right behind you.
4: Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Teddy! Was this young man hit by a car?
0: Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet!
4: It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart, buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Rewind TV, playback the 80s and 90s with TV's totally tubular characters. I'm a witch. Alex P. Keaton here. Playback the neon memories. Heavy duty. And the major laughs. I think it's hysterical. Excuse me if I just want to laugh just a little. And the radical catchphrases. What did you tell my words? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to RewindTV.com and check it out. If you don't win. Call 800-817-9413. 800-817-9413.
2: We take a criminal justice approach to the stories on this show, as you may know. Uh, We lay out the evidence, we hear from the experts, and we let you, the jury, come to your own conclusions. But some evidence is stronger than other evidence, of course. Especially on the topic of alleged space aliens. Earlier tonight, and for a couple of nights before that, we brought you this so-called jellyfish UFO video that seemed super interested in a US military base. But now we have another video that popped up on YouTube earlier this week. It appears to show two creatures on top of an island mountain two miles off the coast of Brazil. The experts are estimating that the creatures are 10 feet tall One of them walks down the mountains swinging its arms in a human-like manner, but is it human? Some people say the creatures are too tall, therefore they have to be aliens, but the skeptics say it's just a couple of dudes on a hill. This much we know. Tomorrow is a big day for UFO investigation. At 9 a.m. Eastern, members of Congress are going to get an update from the Inspector General of the intelligence community. And before you get excited, not only is it not public... The briefings are being held in a SCIF, sensitive, compartmented information facility. So it's all top secret. But watch this space. We're going to do what we can. What next?
4: everybody. I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Thursday. We have breaking news. There's military action in the Middle East, and we need a perspective shift. People are getting this story wrong in terms of the planning, the implications and what happens next. This is a window not just into a moment in time, not some random anything, not Biden politically being pressured into. It's none of that. This is a very different story. OK, there has been planning going on. I'm going to take you through why this show had been very shy about the Secretary of Defense and his hospital